This is the DLA Piper UK Employment Law Podcast, the series that looks at the biggest UK employment law issues that HR professionals and in-house counsel are facing right now. This podcast will give you all the insights and expertise you need directly from our employment law team. Hello and welcome. I'm Vanita Aurora, a partner in DLA Piper's UK employment law team. We're currently helping clients with the myriad of issues that coronavirus raises, including the issue of mental health problems amongst staff. Many have faced major challenges as a result of COVID-19. Anxiety levels have surged, uh, worries about getting ill, lockdown, isolation, homeschooling and job security, both short term and indeed long term. And I think for those with existing mental health conditions, it will have been really difficult and may well have exacerbated those situations. And now for many, the prospect of returning to work is causing its own set of worries. So how can employers ensure that they're ready to deal with the mental health related challenges of a post lockdown world? What do employers need to think about now and ahead of any return to work? To help answer that, I'm joined by my colleague, Jane Hannan, who is also a partner with the DLA Piper employment team. We're going to look first of all at the problems that have always existed around mental health in the workplace. It's nothing new. The topic is not a new one. It's an issue that's been there for a long time. In recent years, mental health awareness has risen hugely in the workplace and across society, transforming some workplaces in their handling of mental health issues. So before turning to look at the mental health issues that have specifically arisen as a result of COVID-19, Jane, can you run through some of the common problems that have always been there for employers to deal with pre-coronavirus? Sure. As you said, this has been an issue, mental health in the workplace, that has been around for many years, but really increased over the last probably three to four years. We've seen a lot more employers talking about it and recognising that it's a major issue in terms of both productivity, sickness absence, employee morale and the cost that that brings to business. I think the biggest issue that employers have been having to deal with before all of this, which seems a you know, seems like ancient history now, um, was recognising when an employee has a mental health problem and working out how to support that employee, but also how to manage that employee and ensure that where possible, they're still being productive at work. And if they're not looking at what treatment, what support the employer might need to be giving to them. Um, I think it's also recognising that mental health is very different to a physical health condition. And it may be that an employee has an underlying issue for for quite some time before it comes to the surface. They might be dealing with stuff in their own life outside of work. It might not be related to work. And then it it sort of blows up um, and starts affecting them. They're off sick for a long period of time. But it can often be the case that they don't get better very quickly. It's not like a broken leg where someone's going to be back in the workplace quite soon afterwards. It's a very long-term issue that needs to be dealt with. And I think that's a, something that employers have been been struggling with, with the, the, the growing mental health crisis that we've got, not just in the UK, but around the world. I think the other, other issue is obviously dealing with those absences, you know, impact on the rest of the workforce. You know, you've got you know, two or three people out of a team struggling with mental health issues, if they're out of the workforce or, you know, not working at 100%, that has an impact on everybody. So sometimes breeding a bit of animosity amongst other employees who perhaps don't know the full situation. And 
that causes issues in terms of you know managing the rest of the team. I think the other issue is is overall you know, just looking at the the bare financials is it really hits the bottom line. So you've got not only the cost of of sick pay and um, all of the extra support that's being provided to employees, but also the absence of that person, the need for temporary resource to cover their work and the inability to do some long term planning when you've got a number of employees with um, who are dealing with with mental health issues. So these have all been issues that have been going on for some time. And now with with COVID, I think we're going to see an explosion of of issues um, and it's certainly not going to be an improvement on what we had before. Indeed. I think the invisibility of mental health problems and challenges has always been there. And I think that in itself is exacerbated by the fact that we are now all remote. Many organisations are remote, not all, but many are. And I think that in itself is going to be a big problem. So turning to look at the specific mental health challenges that employers are going to face as a result of of COVID-19, let's turn to focus on those. Certainly the clients I'm advising have reported increased concerns amongst management themselves about the stress levels amongst their own workforce. They have become very aware that these issues are now going to be potentially, you know, increasing amongst all aspects of the workforce, not just perhaps groups that were previously identified as most risk. What are you seeing as the specific mental health challenges that employers now face in a COVID-19 world? A huge amount of issues here. I mean, we could talk for several podcasts on all of this, but yeah. um, I think the, the the main issues are, you know, as we identified at the top of the, the, the session was around you know, the anxiety and stress that goes with the current situation that we're all living in and, and will be living with for, for many months to come in, in some shape or form. There's obviously a lot of worries about physical health, you know, the impact of coronavirus, not only on individual employees, but also on their families and their friends and their colleagues. So people are worried about that. They're they're anxious, they're they're feeling stressed. And this may be people who've never had a, a mental health issue previously, but they're just getting some of those feelings. I think we can probably all identify with, with feeling like that, the odd sleepless night and etc. The other aspect is is dealing with the isolation and and loneliness. Um, for a lot of people, their current working arrangements are are very different to normal. You've got a couple of camps. You've got the people, like, like many lawyers, who are working from home, and f- for those, you know, those with with families, you know, there's there's extra stresses which go with looking after children or worrying about elder relatives, but also just not being in that routine of mixing with colleagues and finding it more difficult to um, have have a sounding board, have one just someone to talk to. Um, very basic, you know, what did you have for tea last night? Those sorts of questions. All of that social side of things has been very difficult for people to maintain, which has led to a lot of feeling of, of, of loneliness and isolation, particularly from those people who maybe live alone or who have a very difficult family situation or home home situation. Um, so so that's that's been been very difficult for, for a lot of people. The other issue has also been those who are continuing to go to work. Obviously, you know, we hear a lot on in the, in the news, you know, 45 percent. I think I was reading recently of people are currently working from home. That still means 55 percent are, are going to work in some shape or form. And the stress of working in an environment, particularly if you're working where you're dealing with, you know, customers or members of the public, the stress of 
finding it very difficult to you know, socially distance whilst you're at work, worries about catching the virus, worries about not being able to just take a break and chat to your colleagues in the same way as normal. That's It's a very changed way of working for everybody. I think there can be very few people who are still working in the same way as they did before, which brings its own, 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 own stresses and, and worries. I, I suppose another area is some people are, are having to do a lot more work than they normally do. You know, some people, perhaps things have, have tailed off for them um, and perhaps they're, they're furloughed. They've got no work to do at the moment. But there's other people who have huge amounts of work, not only doing their work, but perhaps they're remotely managing a team of, of lots of people and feeling the need to have one-to-ones with all of those teams. It's a lot more time consuming than perhaps when they're in a normal working environment. So there's a lot of demands on people. I think the other issue is is worrying about job security. You know, it looks like we're going into one of the biggest recessions in the UK that we've, you know, on memory. And naturally, people will be worried about job security, both for them and, and their family members. Um, things are going to be very different. And whilst there's lots of discussion about there being a, you know, a, a bounce back in, in a year or so's time, that's not much relief for people who are worried right now that they might be losing their jobs quite soon so there's there's a huge amount of of anxiety just generally among the workforce um, and that is hard for employers to deal with but they need to deal with it otherwise they're just storing up problems down the line absolutely and i think one of the crucial points that i've been making to clients in in the past few weeks um is that whilst the UK employment law framework has evolved um, to the crisis. For example, the well-documented furlough scheme and the scheme for self-employed, etc. There have been no changes and there will not be, unless we're told differently, any changes to the fundamentals of UK employment law. So although these are extraordinary times, the legal risks during COVID-19 remain the same in the sense that there is no let off. It doesn't dilute um, the obligations that employers have. Employers are going to be expected, I think, to adapt and innovate and make sure that they meet these issues in accordance with the existing UK legal framework. So the legal risks of brand reputation, claims for constructive unfair dismissal, personal injury, discrimination um, around disability, even whistleblowing to the health and safety executive. These are all issues, kind of black letter law issues and risks that employers have always had to face and they will continue to face despite the fact that COVID-19 is impacting everybody. I don't see any let off for employers. And when this crisis is over and, you know, all being well, it will be over at some point. It's at that stage that people will then be analysing the situation and um, the exposures that they've had and whether or not they are going to take them up with employers. So I think employers need to be very, very mindful that actually they have the same duties of care, the same legal responsibilities that they had six, eight weeks ago, they're still there and they still need to be mindful of them. Looking now at the practical solutions and approaches to these really sensitive issues that our clients are now going to have to look at, there have never been any quick fixes for mental health issues in ordinary times, let alone in these extraordinary times. But what steps can employers take to mitigate the situations that they will now find themselves facing? I've been advising clients on the importance of the culture of transparency 
and that being open with staff about the impact of the coronavirus on the organisation is really important. Letting them know what the impacts are and how individuals may or may not be affected. Ensuring comms with staff are clear and that managers are briefed to answer questions is really, really crucial at this time. Jane, what other steps are you advising employers to take in terms of practical solutions and approaches? So just picking up first on your point about transparency and openness, I think that what is really important is is ensuring around mental health that there's a culture of sharing and, and being open and saying it's okay not to be okay. We've seen some practical examples within clients, great idea of of having little videos by senior individuals in the organisation talking about how they are dealing with their mental health or keeping their minds well whilst they're away from work and working remotely. So things like senior executive talking about how they're taking lots of exercise and that's helping them. Someone else saying, you know, that they were really struggling, but they found that having video calls with old friends has really helped them. So having those examples that you can look to, um, employees can look to, really helps uh, in terms of people feeling that it's okay to show a little chink in their armour, particularly, you know, senior individuals, that it's all right to talk about these things. And that is the the key to get all of this out in the open to help people and so that they know that it's all right to raise their hand if there's a problem. In terms of some of the more sort of practical issues that people have and things that employers can do, we've seen... um, a real blurring of the boundaries for those people working from home as to when they're working and when they're at home, um, given that these are all potentially within a very small space. Looking at encouraging staff to switch off at the end of the day, that they're not required to work outside their normal working hours if they don't need to. It's also looking at when people are juggling. They might have children that are looking after during the day and battling with homeschooling uh, and then choosing to do their work in the evening. Now, in that situation recommending that they put some sort of email sign off that says that although it's you know convenient for me to send this email to you now I don't expect you to answer it outside of your you know until it's convenient for you to do so the other thing is obviously people feeling very isolated and difficult to pick up on the signs of of poor mental health amongst amongst a team a lot of employers and, and team leaders are spending time doing video calls and conference calls with their teams you know, quizzes and all these sorts of great things spending time together which they can't do when they're away from 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 the office or normal working environment that's all well and good but it's still very important to ensure that one-to-ones are happening as well um certainly talking to clients they found that sometimes they'll do a big team call and there'll be someone who's very quiet they don't feel comfortable speaking in that environment perhaps it's someone who's dealing with you know a big issue just because they don't mention it on a big group call perhaps they're not comfortable doing so it's still important to have those individual contacts with people particularly if there's any signs that perhaps their performance isn't up to standard or they're working very unusual hours or they just don't seem their usual self Obviously, one of the difficulties with that is is sometimes managers are nervous of having that conversation. Um, it can be very, very difficult, but I think managers need to be equipped as to how to do that. I think often a lot of fear from from managers that they don't really know what to do. Um, they yeah, want to help, think, but they don't know how to deal with it. And it's always been a very difficult area to yeah. address poor performance. Issues around personal delivery are difficult mm. when you are in a physical office and in, in a standard working environment, um, let alone when you've got this 
barrier mm. of um, you know people working from home and being remote I think the ability to deal with your staff usual staff issues just becomes heightened and more difficult mm, mm, absolutely and then I suppose the other thing is just reminding people in terms of signposting all of the support that is there because certainly an awful lot of our clients have a huge amount of support in place for their employees but they just need to remind them what's available. Lots of the providers are doing lots of extra things during the current crisis in terms of, you know, videos and um, you know podcasts for them to listen to. All sorts of different things are out there. Um, but it's signposting all of those things that are available, reminding people, you know, if, if you've got mental health first aiders in the workplace, reminding people who those individuals are. Um, if you've got a counselling line, reminding people that that's available. So doing that on a regular basis. The other thing um, that some businesses are doing is just in terms of sensing how people are are generally feeling is is doing a weekly questionnaire or a you know bi-weekly questionnaire and just asking people to rate on a, you know, at naught to 10, how are you feeling today? Just to do a bit of a sense of how people are coping. You know, you do that on an anonymous basis, but just to get a bit of a feel for how people are coping. Um, because there may be people who are, are really straight. You might think that everything's okay and there's a couple of people you've identified who've got an issue. But actually underneath all of that, there's a much bigger issue with people with low level anxiety and esteem issues and everything else that needs to be addressed. And unless employers ask the question, they won't know. So it's dealing, asking those questions, but then also having a plan for how you're going to deal with it afterwards and how you're going to help those employees. So turning now to the issue of returning to work um, and or the potential for long term homeworking amongst some organisations, which is something that some employers are now going to be exploring. The challenges, I think, of returning to the workplace and the long term continuation of homeworking is becoming the biggest area of concern that I am starting to see from clients. Many are seeing this to be a pinch point for many employees around stress. And interestingly, perhaps for many employees, the first time that they are likely to experience mental health issues in the workplace. Jane, what are your thoughts around the mental health issues that are likely to arise with the return to work? So a lot of this is going to depend on an individual's situation. Um, but I think they fall into a number of different camps. So firstly, you've got people who will have concerns about how safe it is to return to work. You know, if they've particularly if they've got a health condition and they don't necessarily need to shield, but they might have a, a health condition, which means they've got concerns about the virus or they perhaps live with someone with a health condition. So they will be particularly anxious about the return to work. There'll also be people who have childcare or other caring responsibilities and there isn't any other care available at the moment so they will have particular concerns and are likely to be quite anxious about the implications of, of the big return. There'll be some people who will be very keen to get back to work particularly those living alone um, or they are finding it very difficult to work from home or perhaps they've got financial worries and they really want to be seen to be getting back to work and, and, and digging in. So there's going to need to be a, a combination of balancing you know, the anxieties and the, the fears that some people have about returning to work with the need to actually get businesses going again and working out how best to approach that. And the government's obviously naturally and quite rightly very clear that the the priority has to be people's health and safety when we're getting people back to work absolutely has to be number one rather than business but there are ways and means to do that in terms of looking at how we balance 
health and safety with actually getting people back in. And that's going to be a very, very individual calculation, I suppose is the best way to describe it, within each organisation, depending on your workforce, where they live, how they commute, the nature of your business and all of their personal situations. So all of those things need to be taken into the mix. And just taking that a step further, in terms of the um, issues that employers need to consider in terms of facilitating that return to work and the continuation of working from home for many, the health and safety aspect, I think, is huge. Um, we've Everyone is aware of the, of the traditional health and safety assessments that have been required to take place. But I think it's the building of the mental health aspect of that into that traditional health and safety risk assessment that is now going to be taking precedence and priority in a way that it was never really considered before. And I think many employers are accepting that. Um, what other steps can you see that employers might need to take to facilitate that return to work or to continue working from home safely? So I think the, the big issue here or the big step employers need to take is to think about mental health when they're doing their risk assessments. All employers obviously have to carry out risk assessments on an ongoing basis and always have done. As you said before, the law hasn't changed. Um, mm. They need to do risk assessments um, to ensure that they're complying with their duty of care to their employees, regardless of where those employees might be working. Um, so if you, you look at your, your two groups, you've got the people who are potentially going to be working from home for, for quite some time and perhaps businesses decide they don't need fancy city centre offices anymore and they can cope with having a lot more of their workforce working remotely. There's going to be a need to do risk assessments around their home working arrangements and that needs to include their mental health, not just, you know, are, are, are they in an adequately ventilated room and are they making sure they don't trip over a cable? It's also looking at how we're going to look after their mental health whilst um, whilst they're working from home. And then the other aspect is people returning to work and looking at how you manage both the risk to physical health, but also mental health. If you think about it, um, working in an environment, take your typical office, in this normal scenario, people might be working very open plan, lots of collaboration in small little huddles and little coffee meetings and everything else. A lot of that will be different going forward and for many, many months to come. But that will still have an impact on, on employees' mental health. I was talking to a colleague in, in China yesterday, where obviously they're a few weeks ahead of everything that's going on in the UK. And he was saying in that particular workplace, um, they're wearing masks and it can be very difficult to read somebody's facial signals when they're wearing a mask over their nose and mouth and who's saying that you'd go over and you'd want to chat to a colleague and in the in the old world you just go over and have a chat at somebody's desk perch on the edge of it and start chatting it can be very difficult to know if an employee actually wants you to do that because of fears because they're obviously social distancing and everything else but that has an impact on mental health so how are you going to ensure that you know people can still have informal conversations and try and have meetings and, and everything else in a workplace when you've got this very, very different setup, you know, plexiglass everywhere and spaced out desks and one way corridors and all of that. It can feel, I suspect it's going to feel very, very institutionalised. So it's looking at how we can support employees' mental well-being whilst they're in the workplace as well. And it may be that you need to come up with some really innovative ideas as to how to do that. I wish I knew what all of them were, but there's, there's there's going to be lots of great things that people come up with, whether that be, you know, little treat boxes delivered to people or um, time to, you know, 
encouraging people to go and take a walk at lunchtime, all of those sorts of things. Just starting to think about that as well as the physical health, which obviously, you know, for a lot of employers will be the main thing they're concentrating on. Indeed. Um, Looking to the future, I think the momentum of the increase in awareness around mental health issues has been really quite impactful in in recent years with celebrities, royal family and many others talking about it, raising the issue, raising awareness. And that's certainly transcended into the workplace and it certainly made, made it more of a talking point. In terms of looking to the future, what do we think the long lasting impact will be of this unprecedented situation on mental health provisions in the workplace? Do you envisage a workplace now and employers treating it differently or the same, but just with heightened importance? Or do you think it will dilute and people will, you know, we will go back in time? How do you see the future of mental health in the workplace and how employers are going to address it? So in terms of the future, I guess a lot of it is going to depend on the sector in which a business is operating. Um, Certainly my experience before all of this happened was a lot of our larger multinational clients uh, and large national businesses are all ready, relatively sophisticated in terms of having the structure there to support employee mental health through counselling and mental health first aiders and moving towards a much bigger structure of openness and mental health focus weeks and all of those kind of great things. And I suspect that for, for, for those businesses, we will just see an increase in demand, um, an increasing cultural sense of this is OK to, to say that I, I need some help. And to talk about my mental health, I think the area where we will see the, the biggest change will be in some of those sectors where perhaps mental health hasn't been at the forefront of the, the conversation at work, shall we say, particularly in areas such as construction um, and those working in more manual roles, those working not in a traditional office environment where it can be more difficult, obviously, to to roll out some of those programmes, um, but also where there's probably more of a culture of we don't talk about that, particularly, unfortunately, in more male-dominated industries as well. So thinking in particular of construction, where there isn't that culture of, of speaking out. Um, and, you know, we've all seen the awful statistics around, you know, male suicide, that that is partly due to a, a lack of, of willingness and ability to speak out about these issues. So I suspect that there will be more pressure on those businesses um, and more more openness and, and want, in fact, to do this, to to think about talking about mental health and providing more support to their employees so that they can help them through these you know next few years but but you know further beyond that as well so i think that that will be the area where we will see the biggest changes the the businesses who haven't traditionally focused on this will find that they need to because otherwise they're going to be dealing with significant employee absence and impact on productivity it is going to hit the bottom line ultimately um so they will need to start to address it Of course, it looks like innovation and adaptation um, will be at the forefront of the mental health support offering that so many of our clients, small and large, will now need to look at to ensure that they can look after the mental health of their staff and the physical health to ensure that they meet their ongoing legal obligations, which we said at the outset, don't go away. Thank you, Jane. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. 
That was Velita Aurora speaking to Jane Hannan. Any information in this podcast is for general guidance only and is correct as of the date of recording. This podcast is not intended to be and should not be used as a substitute for taking legal advice in any specific situation. For full terms and conditions, please see our website. Thank you for listening. Please do get in touch to let us know about what issues you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Email us at employmentlaw at dlapiper.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.